Thank you for listening to this episode of Crime Nerds. In so many of these cases, you can't help but wonder, what if? What if this horrible thing didn't happen? Who would this person be today? Today's case is no different. This is the story of a young woman who had a very bright future ahead of her. And then, tragedy struck. This is the story of Annie Lee. Annie Lee was born July 3, 1985, in San Jose, California, where she grew up living with her aunt and uncle. In 2003, she graduated as the valedictorian of her high school, and she was voted the most likely to become the next Einstein. Just graduating at the top of the class is impressive enough, but on her way to the top, Annie earned about $160,000 in scholarships. For college, she decided to move across the country to New York where she attended the University of Rochester. She majored in cell developmental biology and minored in medical anthropology. I can barely even say those words. Annie was accepted into their graduate program at Yale where she was going to earn her doctorate in pharmacology. A lot of her research revolved around the treatment of diabetes and cancer. Around this time, Annie met a guy named Jonathan Wadowski. He was a graduate student at Columbia University where he studied physics and mathematics. Annie and Jonathan, they fell in love and became engaged. They set a wedding date for September 13th, 2009. On September 8th, 2009, just a few days before her wedding, Annie left her apartment. She took the Yale Transit to the Sterling Hall of Medicine on the campus. Around 10 a.m., she left Sterling Hall and walked to another campus building on Amistad Street, which is where her research lab was at. The security camera showed Annie walking into the building just a few minutes after 10. Then, around 9 o'clock that night, Annie's roommates were worried because she hadn't returned home and they didn't hear anything from her. So they contacted the police and reported her missing. Police began reviewing the security footage around the building that the research lab was at. They saw Annie walked into the building around 10, but she was never seen walking out. The building was closed down and police began searching the building from bottom to top. When they didn't find her in the building, things began to not look very promising. Since she wasn't seen coming out of the building, if she wasn't still in the building somewhere, one of the only other ways that she could have gotten out of that building is if someone put her in a garbage can or something. So they immediately went to the Hartford dump where they began searching through the garbage. By this time, the FBI, New Haven Police, and the Connecticut State Police were all involved in these search efforts. On September 12th, police found evidence that was hidden in a ceiling tile just outside the lab. They found a blood-stained rubber glove, a sock, work boots, 
which were covered in blood with the label Ray C on them and blue hospital scrubs. Then Sunday, September 13th came along. This is a day that was supposed to be Annie's wedding day, but for her family and friends, it will forever be marked as a day of tragedy because that was the day that police found Annie's body. Her body was placed inside of a wall that held cable wires in the basement of the research lab. There were a few key pieces of evidence that were found hidden with Annie's body. A green ink pen, a blood-stained lab coat, and a sock that seemed to match this other one that was found in the ceiling tile. The medical examiner would conclude that Annie's cause of death was strangulation. This building had pretty tight security. It had 75 security cameras. To enter the building and to enter each room in the building, you had to have a Yale ID card to scan. This led investigators to believe that the suspect was going to be an employee or a student. The main suspect that police quickly learned about was 24-year-old lab technician Raymond Clark. And I'm no detective by any means, but the name Raymond Clark seems to go very well with the name Ray C that was found on the work boots. During their interviews with other employees and students, investigators learned that Raymond showed some odd behaviors after Annie went missing. He was found scrubbing the floors in the lab multiple times with a wire brush, but what really stood out to the co-workers was that the floor already seemed to be clean. So police began narrowing down and looking into Raymond a little bit more. And here's what they learned. Raymond entered the research lab just 29 minutes after Annie on September 8th. On the sign-in sheet, he wrote his initials RC using a green ink pen. From 10.40 that morning until 3.45 in the afternoon, Raymond went back and forth between the lab and another room down the hall. According to the keycard swipes he made, he did this 55 times. Investigators pulled his previous history of using the keycard, and he had never went back and forth between the two rooms that many times in one working day. When Raymond was observed on the video leaving the lab that afternoon, he was wearing completely different clothes than what he arrived in. The first time that investigators interviewed Raymond was actually a few days before they found Annie's body, and this is when they were just talking to everyone she worked with to get information on her. In that interview, he said that Annie left the building around 12.45 that afternoon carrying a notebook and two bags of mouse food, or food for mice, which I guess whichever one sounds more appropriate. But during that interview, police noticed that Raymond had a scratch on his face and his left bicep. He claimed that the scratch came from his cats. On September 15th, police searched Raymond's apartment and they took samples of his DNA. Then the pieces of this investigation all started coming together. On their green ink pen, it was discovered that there was DNA from Annie and Raymond. Also, the DNA on the clothing found in the ceiling tile had both Annie and Raymond's DNA on them. On September 17, 2009, Raymond was staying at a Super 8 motel, and he was arrested for the murder charges, where he was held on a $3 million bond. Initially, Raymond pled not guilty to the charges, over the next several months, there were different hearings for the case and then different things were pushed and rescheduled until March of 2011 when Raymond pled guilty on the murder charges 
and an additional charge of attempted sexual assault was entered and Raymond pled guilty to that as well. While Raymond didn't give any explanation as to why or what exactly happened, at his sentencing hearing he did make a statement where he said, I took a life and continued to lie about it while Annie's friends, family, and fiance sat and waited. Raymond was sentenced to 44 years in prison and is expected to be released in the year 2053. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. If you could, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and leave a rating or review for the show. You can follow on Instagram at Crime Nerds Podcast, where you can also let me know if the correct term is supposed to be mouse food or food for mice. And thank you for listening.